First, um, on behalf of our whole Chabura, I want to express our tremendous Akara Satayv to Rabbi Sacha Ginsburg for taking the time and the effort, which I know he has put in, because he takes this uh, opportunity very seriously, which we appreciate very much. And uh, it's only proper, because as the Chazanish is reported to have said, the biography of Adam Godol is a Musa Sefer. And Rabbi Sachar is in possession of a very special and unique Musa Sefer in the insight to the life of Marina Avdava Feinstein, Zechis Salak Lebrach. And it's also especially appropriate in leading up to Yonta of Shavuos, as we see from the Sefer Achinach and the Mitzvah Sefiris Aimer, we are supposed to be counting towards the day of receiving the Torah and trying to appear ourselves. And the Gemara in Saita says that Torah is Tchilasa Chesed, a Sefer Chesed, to teach us that the entirety of the Torah is Chesed. Asha says this is teaching us the greatness of the Torah, that the entirety of Torah is Chesed, which is such a great Midah. And the morale on this says, even though we find some uh, harsh uh, consequences in the Torah, but the ultimate Kavan of the Torah is only to establish good in the world, that there should be no Ra, so everything in Torah is Chesed. So how great is it to, to hear a little bit about the Midah of Chesed? And then, just uh, one more or two points, the Mishnah, or actually the Brisa in the sixth parak of Avais, tells us that a person who learns Torah Lishma, besides being Zeichet to Dvarim Harbe, he reaches many, many miles. One of them is Malbashtoi Anova. He becomes garbed with Anova. I'm sure we're going to hear about that in a very unique way. And the Mishnah Baisa says later that the person becomes Kamayinam is Gaber, and when the Torah is no Senesloi Malchusanem Shalom. It gives him rulership. And Rechaim Velashen in Nefesh HaChaim Shadal Perkirches says what this means is that a person who accepts upon himself the oil of Taira Lishma Lamita, as he explained, what it means learning Taira Lishma, which Avshach explained means to know Pshat. The person's learning to understand Pshat. That's called Taira Lishma. He accepts upon himself this, this yoke, this burden, this commitment. He is, the kaychas of Teva are handed over to him as he decrees upon them. And he can turn them how he wishes. So he is given Shlita over the kaychas of Teva. We may hear something about that as well. So once again, with the profound thanks to my, my Yedid and my esteemed Chaver, Rav Yisachar Ginsburg, please, Imahanas. Thank you. Um, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Rav Guri, for inviting me for an encore performance. <laughs> um, yes. I thought the truth is that Rabbi Schmidman was doing me a favor not having me schlep to Queens, but rather speak via Zoom. It wasn't really a big favor. First, I don't have a computer at home. 
So I had to come to the yeshiva office. I'm sitting in my office in MTJ this late at night. And I forgot, since I have not been here upstairs in my office ever this late at night, I forgot that on Fridays, the yeshiva has the heat going only an hour or so. And then they close the heat, then it's closed the whole Shabbos. They don't have to heat up six floors of the building here. And Sunday morning, just because the building has been so cold for a whole Shabbos, by Sunday morning, they keep it on for an hour or two. Then they close it because we have a half a day on Sunday. I didn't realize it's freezing in my office. So if you see me rubbing my hands and blowing my hands, it's because it's really cold up here. So maybe I should have gone to Queens. I didn't realize how cold it was in my office. So uh, I apologize in advance if you see me rubbing my hands and blowing my hands for a few minutes. The truth is, it's quite an Irving speaking on Zoom. I've only done it two or three times before. And once when I did it was once before I spoke for Rabbi, with Rabbi Schmidman and the Zoom did not work. We had some technical difficulties. And it's very unnerving to speak on Zoom when I see myself staring at myself talking. So I feel like I'm talking to myself in the mirror. But um, let's see how we do this evening. The last time we met, we really spoke a little bit about every part of our David, a little different parts of our David. We spoke about his godless and learning for a few minutes. We spoke about his anivus, his chesed. We spoke about his asmada, his bikiyas. We'll touch a few different areas. But Rav Guri asked me before Shavuos, he wanted chizuk, before Yom Tif, before Kabbalah Satara to speak again. And of course I said no. Now, if you looked at my cell phone with all the texts back and forth, we had a very strange conversation. If you remember the last time I spoke, I mentioned that Oscar came to Rav David after Moshe was Nifter. And they wanted Esrishus to write about the famous, what became now the famous Ramosha book. And Rav David said, we can speak about his godless, his, his godless Matorah, his Hasmoda, his Amkas, his Havana. Then it's not Kedai, because nobody can relate to that. However, you're going to speak about his interpersonal relationships with people, then it's Kedai. And I could say without a doubt that the same thing with Rabbi David. If you can talk about his godless, his learning, we can relate to that. His Bikirs and Shas, we can relate to that. So I told Rabbi Guri that if you're talking to the Chizik about Kabbalah Satora, you probably want someone to be Mechazik. And it's not my field. So, so Rabguri said a tremendous word to me. He said that Rudovitz Midos is Torah. And they renovated, they, renovated, they renovated in me. I mean, we say that Terechetz of Kamala Torah, Chesed Omipana. So the foundation before even learning on, on Shuas night and Kabbalah's Torah should be understanding the level of chesed and midos that we're supposed to reach at, reach or aim for. But I do want to tell you one thing is that if Rabbi Shemim is putting me a tremendous all on me by telling me that the Hatzlach of Shavuos and Chizuk for people is, will depend on my Divrei Chizuk, that's not fair. Putting a tremendous all on me, and for that, I 
I'm not Macabal. But um, so hopefully I can share some personal insights and behaviors I've seen during my many years in through David. It'll be a chizuk valdik. Not I'm absolving myself of my all that the guri put on me. The last time I spoke, he touched a little bit on four different parts of David's personality, his life. I'm going to limit myself to just two areas today, Chesed and Anivas. Sorry, it's just cold. It's cold in here. We all know by now of his famous Anivas, his uncanny ability to always care about others. Even the Gedolei Yisrael mocked that. As mentioned to you, you all know that I, anywhere Rav David went, England, there to Yisrael, any base Oval, Chasna, I would always go with him. On the trip to Yisrael, it was amazing first just the way Rav David travels. Nobody knew he was coming. He sits in a regular seat. Later on, some Talmudim heard he was going to Yisrael, so they, without him knowing, they paid for his ticket to be upgraded to a Business class, the first class, but generally he would fly regular, get off the plane, wait with all the hamonam, and no one called ahead, you know, it was coming, get him in quicker. He stood online waiting to check in by the customs. Very low key. Somehow or another, Elyasha found out that David was in Israel this time. There was a planned meeting for the Gedolei Israel, the Wetzes in Israel. Now, the truth is, in America, now it's different because after the Novinska, Satsan was lifted and David. So that good added a few more people on the Moetzes. So now I think there's nine or 12 or something. But for many decades, there's seven people on the Moetzes here. So when the Moetzes gets together and has a meeting, it's either in the Novinska Rebbe's office, we, they sit around his desk. I know because I've taken to all the meetings, so I know where the meetings are held. Or not good as. Uh, conference room, and seven people could all get together with the Rosh of Aguda. But an Eretz Yisrael, the Muetzes, consists of almost 300 people. Because when they do a Kalkari, they want everybody to get together on the same page. They invite all the Atomorim, all the Chachamim, the Sfardim, they invite all the Rosh Yeshivas from Bnei Bak and Yushalayim. They invite everybody because they want everyone to agree, not to have Machlekes and Klai Yisrael, they have everyone to come together. So when they have Muetzes, they have to actually rent out a wedding hall for 300 people to come to the wedding, to the, this tremendous meeting. And if you count all the Roshibas and the Gedolim will come with their Gaboim and the drivers, it's double or triple that number. You talk about 1,000 people, easy could be at a Gedolim meeting. It's an event. Unlike New York, the Gedolim just meet in a private meeting and they go home and no one knows anything about it. So there was a Muetzis meeting scheduled in Eretz Yisrael at that time. And either the Enikol or the Gabay from Yosef called me. I don't know how, I don't know how he got my number, but in Eretz Yisrael, everything, they, these, how they get things done, they, it's amazing how they find things out. And they called me and said, Yosef, I hope you speak English, Yiddish, some of the Oilam here. If not, we'll try to translate, but it loses in the translation. They told me that Rabbi Yashal built Einglatten, wants to invite Rabbi David to come into the meeting for the Agudah Shabbatim, for the Agudah. So Rabbi David said no. 
call back an hour later. Just meant to make sure I heard the question again. Revlashiv Flatzugin, the big beton. He says the, the guy says the Rashiva begged me to ask Rashiva to come. So I said no. The governor said no. Second time. So I guess he put me on hold and tells Revlashiv that Revdavid said no. So he tells me to tell Revdavid that. It's a very important meeting that Rav Scheinberg was coming back from America. He was in his 90s at that time. And he was flying back because there his yeshiva had a big meeting, their big dinner in New York. And he was flying back that day. And as exhausted as he must be by flying the 10-hour flight besides the two, three hours before him in the airport and all that, he must have been totally exhausted. They said they're still waiting for him and he's coming straight from the airport for this meeting. That's how Machash of Rav Scheinberg calls it is. So they're having the meeting. Dafka this this in time, sort of Shimon giving him comes. So David Dafkumen. So David says again, no. So the Gaba calls me back the third time, a fourth time. I lost track already, and he says to me, "Listen, once wants to understand why David's saying no." So I said, "I don't know. I'll ask." And Rav said to me, it's a tremendous chiddush and a daher to me. Maybe it's pasha to you, but it wasn't to me. He said that I'm sitting in a meeting in, in Eretz Yisrael. Obviously, they're going to be talking about things that are not going right with the country, with Eretz Yisrael. And it's lush not for me to hear anything about Eretz Yisrael. If I'm not Gebe Dover, if I'm, if I'm, um, I have a daya, if I'm a Baal Dover, they're not going to say I'm coming out of Gibbon Eitzah. I have nothing to say at the meeting. Just to sit and listen to Lashon Harbat Eitz Yisrael, I have no heter. David Paskin, that he can't go. Just their Chagav, David never would eat or drink anything from Eitz Yisrael, no wine or nothing, unless he knew beforehand that it was everybody in the world says it's delicious, like the Jaffa oranges, it was big and juicy, and he knew that there was nobody said it's horrible, so he ate it. Because it's fruit of Eretz Yisrael. But he never wanted to drink wine that someone just came in with, with Eretz Yisrael from Eretz Yisrael with it. Because if he wouldn't like it, he would say, ugh, to a, a, a wine growing in Eretz Yisrael, he wouldn't do that. Unless everyone says, David, this wine is delicious and you has got to taste it. This and then he said he would love to taste it because he knew that it wouldn't feel negative anything about Eretz Yisrael. That's just Eretz Chaga. But anyway, Rav David said, that's Lashon Hara, he can't go to the meeting. So Yashiv gets on the phone. So now no more Gabi now. So Yashiv gets on the phone to me. And he speaks to me in a real Yiddish. Yiddish. The Yiddish is beautiful, but I hope you understand Yiddish. And he says to me, Zogjin Surab Dabadin. You know, with the nun at the end, the way they speak. Zogjin Surab Dabadin. We'll translate to that for you in a few minutes if you don't know Yiddish. Zogjin Surab Dabadin. As anav mikolodom, but what can we do? He says, "What can we do?" If David is anav mikolodom, we all know that how anav he is. He's known through the nevis, but we have a chiyuv to mechabedem. And if he's here and he can meet all the gedolei Israel and all the rishivim and hanoik manhigim at that moment, one time, it's a covet to, to us to give to Rabbi David when he comes in. So David looks at me when I told him, "Quote the Rabbi Yashiv." 
even though he passed the halacha, slash no, I can't go. He said he's he was right in Machnia. He said I'm wrong. I was like a pasuk the God Ladar. I have to go. Whatever he held, Mashiach, that we throw not you and I. What you hold? No, if David finds in Paskin, it's Usher. Rav Yashav said it's, he should go. His whole sock went out the window. And he goes, Rav Yashav said, Paskin, the God Ladar. Okay, we're going. That's to me. That was many lessons here. Ideas how he's Machnia himself to the Rav Yashav. We're talking about Rav David and about the Nimes that he didn't want to go because Lush and Harvard destroyed. There's so many lessons here, which I'll let Rabbi Shvim talk it over in one of your sessions afterwards, but this is too much for me to go into now, but there were so many lessons in this story. The story doesn't end there. After the meeting, I don't know how this do this in Israel. I wish I knew the secret. All the Ademorim, all the Chachamim, all the Rosh Hashivas had line, lining up. Their drivers were outside. They, they told they weren't allowed to be in the meeting. The only one who was allowed to be in the meeting was me. With all the gadolim, because I was supposed to be officially Rav David's translator, but all the other Rosh Hashivas would had the gaboim leave because they didn't want the private meeting to spread in the whole area. So I'll say everyone had to leave, and I was the only one standing there. Remember, Steinman was there; everybody was there. We walk out of the meeting. All the drivers were being signaled to move forward with their cars. They parked all the cars in some parking lot in the back. Every one of those cars with a big fancy Chevy SUVs, the Esplanade, or the, whatever you call these fancy cars. I can't afford a car like that here in New York. I don't know how they poured that in there to Israel, but somehow every god on every Admar had such a fancy car. And out walks the deputy mayor of Bnei Brak. I think his name was Rubenstein or Rabinovich or something like that. I'm going back a few years. I don't remember. Rubinowitz, Rubenstein or something. And he sees Rudovich also waving his hand. So he asks me, didn't you get a message where the private, where you park your driver, park your car? In the back, where's your driver parked? In the front? I said, no, we, we have no driver. I'm his only guy by here. So he goes, so who's Rav David waiting for? I said, he's waving for a cab in the street to wave down a cab. He sat there and he was plotzed. He goes, unbelievable. The Godladar from America stands in the street like a, this waves down a cab in the street to try to pull over an Israeli cab driver to take him back to the hotel. He couldn't be massive. How everybody else has these fancy black Chevys or whatever you call Ford uh, you know, I don't know these big SUVs, what they're called even. And here's a dog standing in the streets waving down a yellow t- a taxi cab from Meritus Israel driver. And he couldn't be massacred. So he said, you know, I brought Rev Steinman here, Debbie Mayor, I had my lights and sirens, I got him through all the traffic. I'm going to get someone else to take Rev Steinman home. I'm taking Rev Dovid. I can't let, I can't see him standing in the street waving his hand. So he took Rev Dovid home. And he was this spoil at the Anivis of Rav David, that he had nothing wrong with standing in the street and waving down a cab while everyone else had the whole entourage of cars and escorts and, and, and drivers taking him. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should have rented a car for Rav David like that. I don't know. But, but that showed the tremendous anivus of Rav David's part. And so nothing wrong with it. I have to go somewhere and take a cab. I remember the same story in Israel. I mean, Rav David is known as the prince of Pashtus, the prince of Anivas. So when so, someone told him that uh, David once was heard saying something maybe not exactly in line to what Rav Chaim Kanievsky was saying, so he asked David to write something to Rav Chaim. So David with his, all his Pashtus and Tamimus and Anivas said, me? What? How do I get to write to Rav Chaim? The whole Velt writes Rav Chaim to the Pashtus and this and that, Rav David just felt, who am I to write to Rav Chaim? And he, didn't, and he didn't write anything to me. Just, you know, he, didn't, he refused to write. He goes, who am I to write to Rav Chaim? 
you know, the whole world. David said, will gain nothing by knowing how many times my father, Ramesha, did a shas, or that he's fluent in all Chelkit Shulchanarach and Teresh about Peh. Rav David compared his father to Rabbi Kvegin, the Chassam Sofer. When people speak about my father, he said about his compassion and how he had time for little children and the broken-hearted individuals it shows that the bigger the person is, the more chesed he must do. And that's how we know how true Tamil is, how much chesed is being done. We all know the famous story. It's not about Rav David, but just it's such a, it brings out the muscle exactly well. It's an old famous story, and I'm sure everybody here heard the story about the, I think it was the Chavitz Chaim's grandson, who was just learning in Lakewood. And for a while, he wasn't coming to Minyan in the morning. So the Mashkiach went over to the, many years, I heard this maybe 30 years ago. And the Mashkiach of Lakewood went over to the Anakul from the Chavetz Chaim and said, you know, doesn't come, don't come to Minyan. Pasnet, you know, it's Epis, you know. Chashem in the Kail in Lakewood, you know. That's before Lakewood had 10,000 people in it. It was still about in the 60s and 70s, I think 30, 40 years ago, I heard the story. And he tells the Mashkiach, 100% right. He says, however, when I get in my car every morning and I leave to come to yeshiva, so I hear, when I get in my car out in the street, I hear through a house, one, one mother's yelling to her kid, get up already, I woke you up three times. Another kid's saying, mom, where's my shoes? And the mother's saying, your shoes are under the bed. And, where's your, and the other kid's saying, where's my breakfast? And the whole house sounds like a certain tumult, getting everybody ready to get to school in time. The mother just seemed overwhelmed and, I didn't hear any man in the house, and I just felt so nebuch that the woman is so overworked and overwhelmed that I decided to go help her. And every morning when I leave, and I hear all this tumult in the house, I go back and I go into the house to help this poor lady with all the kids to get them ready. So Mashkir said, Oi, I should have done the Kavskus. That's a beautiful chesed you're doing. And it's Iyashab Yanacherim because no one else is there and hears this. I want you to tell me who this lady is so we can send the Bachram throughout the day and help her. Who is this lady that your mom should go and help every morning? He says, my wife. Rav David said, the greater the Godel is, the greater is the Zchayev of Chesed. And especially for Kabbalah Torah, this is something we have to understand. And like Rav Guri told me, that Rav David's Chesed is Torah. His Midos is Torah. And Derek Eretz is Kabbalah the Torah. And without understanding the level of Chesed and Midos, we can't even reach to becoming about a Talmud Chacham. David shows his Anivas in so many ways. There was a Talmud once who was joking with him in the yeshiva and said to him that, Rebbe, you're becoming a Pearl Yeshuos. Everyone's coming to you for brachos. And your brachos seem to be working. And you're becoming a Rebbe. So David, in his very quiet, humble way, tried to stop this guy from spreading this kind of stories. And he says, you only hear the stories that work. You never hear any of the stories in the brachos that don't work. That's why you only hear the brachos that are being he says, all the brachas that I give him, maybe not, maybe it doesn't work. You don't hear about that. So you try to tell the boy, it's not something special. You calm down. During one summer day here in New York, we went visiting up in the country, visit some of his relatives, and he sees a boy in the Bono County just sitting around kicking a ball by himself. He looked, I don't know, he looked very... I don't know, it looks, it didn't have, it looked out of place. Every, all the women are sitting together and schmoozing the Bowen colonies, and, 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 and this boy is all by himself, a seven, eight, ten year old boy. 
And the Dovid calls him over and goes, what, what, why aren't you in camp? So he says, Rabbi, he showed him his cast on his arm. He said, I broke my arm. And today they're going hiking. I can't hike with a broken arm. Then they're going swimming afterwards. I can't swim with a broken arm. So I'm staying with my mother in the Bowman colony until the camp picks me up later and I go back to camp. So the Dovid's sense of the boy is very sad that he's missing such a fun day in camp and he's stuck with a broken arm on his few weeks summer vacation in camp. So the Dovid took out his pen and signed the boy's cast. When he came back to camp that day and he showed all the bunks and even the counselors where David Feinstein signed his kiss, you can imagine that he became the most popular boy in camp, how everybody, when after the boy made his down feeling of staying home that day, felt it was definitely worthwhile for him. I don't know how many people would even think like that when they see a boy with a kiss and sign his kiss and make him feel better. They showed everyone that he had for David sign his kiss. We were at a wedding, sitting before the chuppah, and everyone comes around Rabbi David asking tremendous amount of shilas and from mikvos and nida and, and uh, t- tremendous deep shilas. People came from brachas. There's a little boy holding onto his father's hand. Rabbi David sees him, stops talking to all the people, the deeper shilas, says, can I help you? Boy says that we learned in class of Rashi, and Rashi says, I don't know. He has a caution, he goes, I don't know the answer. But I'm sure Rudavid knows the answer. So, can Rudavid answer this caution? He, he tells the little kid, tells him, Paracious or no, he tells Rudavid the caution. He looked at Rudavid, did Rudavid do the answer, even though Rashi said he didn't. So David sat down with him, went through the Pesukim, and gave him an answer on Mahalach, how to, how to avoid the, how, not, I don't know if he answered Rashi's Kashim, but how to avoid Rashi's Mahalach to have a Pshat Nechum. So he answered the boy. I mean, just imagine the Chuppah, everyone coming around, and he's sitting there, and he's childless, and he sees a little boy with a little Chumash holding on his father, asking for Pshat in the Pesuk that he learned in the second grade or whatever in Chumash. The uncanny anivas that he could sense from other people It was just amazing. Now, the truth is, last time I spoke, it was about a half hour, 40 minutes, and I said I had many more hours of speeches. If you look here, I don't know if you can see, I have back to front, two sides, pages and pages of one-liners. Each, each line tells reminds me of another story. So each line could be a half a page in itself. I must have 50 pages worth of stories. So I don't like repeating stories that I've said before. But Rabbi Shviman asked me to say over one story that he wanted to get Chizak on again. And even though I prefer not to say over a story, I'll say the story that I said last time. That's the story. It's how I got my job here at MTJ. It was Memorial Day weekend many years ago, a quarter of a century ago. I'm here 25 years, 24 years already. I'm happy that I was assigned to sit outside by the dinner, to, by the table, where people come in to get the seating card. Now everything's computerized nowadays. Those days you had the seating cards on the table and you had the other card and they gave you money for the yeshiva. While everyone went to the back to the dinner, I was happy to sit out front so I didn't have to listen to speeches the whole night of, in, the, in the yeshiva dinner. They didn't have videos like they have nowadays. It was a much different type of a dinner. So a man comes over to me, Rabbi Bromfeld, who's David's friend and elderly man now. He's in his 90s. Moved to me then and said to me, Rabbi David, you have time to talk. So I said, yes, everyone's in the speeches inside. Everyone came into the dinner is already inside. 
So I have a few minutes of just putting this, this sitting cards together. We haven't come yet, and I'm just being massaged at the front table, but what can I do for you? So he said, I was sent to offer you the job as Manal of MTJ, the principal of the yeshiva. I laughed and I said, are you kidding me? No. That was Memorial Day weekend coming up now, another day or two, a couple days. Throughout June, again, him or someone else, with David's son-in-law, Rashul Shells came over to me once and asked me to take over. He was the Manal then and he wanted to leave and wanted to give it to me. And I said, no. Finally, July 4th weekend was a Sunday. There was nobody in the yeshiva on July 4th weekend. After Mincha at 1.30, I walk out of the yeshiva and the door is behind me and he calls my name. So I turn around, I said, Rebbe, yes, you need to write something, you want to go home, what, do you, can I, what can I do for you? He said, I want to ask you a question and we started walking right, it happens to be right outside my window, I'm sitting now, below me on the ground floor, right in the, outside the building, right in that spot. I remember this spot like it was yesterday. David said, I know I sent you three, four people to speak to you about the job, MTJ. And the answer I kept getting back was no. Can you explain to me why no? So I said, Rebbe, you didn't stand that time. You know, then I was an elder of Bacha. Now I guess I'm an elder of Bacha, but then I was an elder of Bacha and I was invited every Shabbos by other people here in the neighborhood. And the nickname came around as Isaka the Bacha, you know, and, and also I was trying to keep a little bit more shape than I'm in now. And I was trying to jog a little bit. So I would jog on the streets and wave to people on the way. And I was a boy living, in the, a single guy living in the neighborhood. I told Rabbi David that um, to be an Alabi Yeshiva, if you come from another community, you come in dressed in a suit and this and a hat and this, and you come in as a Manal, and they respect you, and they talk to you as Rabbi Ginsburg. Here they know me as Yisachar the Bacha, they see me jogging in the streets, and you know, they call me Yisachar, there's no, you know, there's no cover, there's nothing, the position, the position doesn't, they can't have respect for me in my position. I call them about a kid or a child that's not doing well, they have no cover because it's Yisachar the Bacha, you know, no, not Rabbi Ginsburg, an Alabi Yeshiva. So he says, I don't see what you're talking about, Yisaka. Everyone calls me David Feinstein here in the neighborhood, and there's no problem. So I said, Rebbe, come on, between David Feinstein and Yisaka Ginsburg, there's a big difference. And he looks at me and goes, what's the difference? He partially didn't understand that there's a difference between Yisaka Ginsburg and David Feinstein. I said, he said, Yisaka, they call me David Feinstein, what's the problem? So there's a difference between David Feinstein and Yisaka Ginsburg. He goes, what are you talking about? What's the difference? He didn't understand. When I heard that Anibis and that humbleness, that Imamish didn't understand the difference between Yisachar Ginsburg and David Feinstein, that's when I said I took the job at that point. So that was just to show again his Anibis. He's talking to me, hiring me for a job, and he does not understand what's wrong when people call me, call me by my first name, what's wrong. They call him David, and he's still respected. I get earned the respect like everybody else did, and it's true. I'm Malvi Yeshiva. I'm still Yisachar Ginsburg in the neighborhood, but it's still, you know, MTJ, and it's still different. The, the, to me, the, the comparison to Rav David to Yisachar Ginsburg always remembered that line that Rav David gave me. His anibus were just uncanny. Everybody goes to simchas and weddings. If they're not, if they don't get bracha chrita, they get another bracha, the first two brachas they get. No one wants to get just a bracha burpia guffin because that they say even eight-year-old boys who go home and Shabbos make kiddish for the father and the table all say burpia guffin. It's, it's a bracha that kidnas, kidnas, kids say. Very often, Rabbi goes to a wedding and they, they ask him, what bracha can we give you? So he goes, I'll just take burpia guffin. I'm sure you have a lot of rabbanim 
mishpacha to give brachas to. I don't want to hog two brachas. Just give me barbary and I'm happy with that as a bracha anyway. And give it to anybody else you want. People could not give him just barbary agafen that the chasna said. That's what he insisted on. Just give me barbary agafen. I don't need the second bracha attached to it. People, other people can't understand that Anivas, you only get Barpia Guffin, you need more. He was very happy with just Barpia Guffin. It was a tremendous Barak when I covered. You never saw, almost never saw his picture in the centerfold of the Ater and the and of FJJ, whatever you call these papers that have all the pictures of the Godolim for the week, what they were doing. Come on, never saw a picture of David unless someone else snapped a picture while he was giving a shear. His Barayat and Kavad was unbelievable. There's a story I told Rabbi Harris of Rashiv Kavad's Chaim, because it was, I only said it in Kavad's Chaim because it was a Kavad's Chaim Yeshiva, they would appreciate it more. I never said the story in any other place because it was not Nogeya, but since I'm assuming some of the oil might see some names up here, from Prakal and David Max, um, that old Tamidim and old Chaverim from Chavetz Chaim. So I guess they would appreciate the story that I'll say, which I said over Tavi Harris and Chavetz Chaim. And I haven't said it to any other place I spoke. I didn't say it when I was in Lakewood when I spoke because uh, they don't they wouldn't relate to a story about Rapenach. But at that time, I was still living. I was already coming to MTJ. I was Talmud before I even got Smicha. But I was still living in Rapenach's basement. In my days, everyone stayed for a year or so in the basement and they moved out, got married, moved out. I think I, that time I broke the record of three years or five years. I heard since I left many times, people stayed more than that. They broke the record many times over. But when I was there, I had a record of three years or five years and whatever in the basement. Even though I had left Yeshiva and I was already going to MTJ, I was still in the basement. One morning I got up early and the Rebbitson was up early in the kitchen. Hennock's wife, Rebbitson Pesha. She was making coffee or tea for her husband before he goes to yeshiva. She was alone in the kitchen and she sees me coming and getting up early. She goes, are you okay? You feel okay? Why are you getting up so early? So I told her that, you know, usually uh, Rosh Hashanah in this house, but Monday and Thursday came to yeshiva to daven. So I wanted to go in yeshiva daven with Rosh this morning. So I'm getting up early to go to Lower East Side to daven chakras by 7.30. So I was up at 6, 6.33 on the train to go to MTJ early. Swala was schmoozing. She said, is it true that David Feinstein eats in the pizza shop? I heard he eats in the pizza shop every day. I said, yes, Rebetzin, he does. So she tells me, tell him in my name. Listen to what she says to me. Tell him in my name that I hold it past it for Adam Godel. It doesn't fit. It's not proper for Adam Godel to eat in the pizza shop. Tell him I said so. Come to MTJ. If the davening, they take Rabdosha home. Rabdosha asked me if I, broke, if I have a car here that day. I said, that day I haven't had a car. He goes, can you pay me to the pizza shop to, for breakfast? And as you can tell, I'm a talkative fella. And I'm a schmoozing guy, but that day I was very quiet in the car because I was thinking what to say. David thought I wasn't feeling well. He says, are you feeling okay? You're very quiet. What's going on? So I said, maybe I have a message from Aisha's Chavar. Aisha Chashuva. The granddaughter of the Granat, the daughter of Avram Trump. She's older than Avram She had right to say, talk to him like that. And I, I can't say the message. See, see, does he have a message? You have to say a message. What's the message? 
So I said, Rebbe, she said that Adam Chasha shouldn't eat the pizza shop. Without blinking an eye, without hesitating for a moment, he said she's 100% right. That's why your husband doesn't eat the pizza shop. What? Well, Rebbe, you missed it. Shoot, right over your head, Rebbe. No, she didn't mean her husband. She meant you, Rebbe. Because what was the message? Adam Chasha shouldn't eat? She's right. Her husband, that's why he's Adam Chasha shouldn't eat. What's that got to do with me? Imamish did not hop when I told him what the Rebbe said that Adam Chasha can't eat, that she was referring to him. He didn't understand why he got to miss such a message. I had explained to him that she met you, Rebbe, and he could not recall what I was talking about. Danivas keeps on shining through in every moment of everything that he does. It was definitely not unusual with MTJ. Says he had his office with meetings with Gedolim, Shilas, serious meetings with Mwetzes. Remember once the chief rabbi, very Yisrael, flew in to meet Rav Dubin, to talk to him about that time, about the Frum Jews being drafted to the army. And then a, a small little elementary boy comes over to him while he's meeting with the G'daylim and Rosh Hashivas, major Shilas, serious meetings. And the boy comes over to him and says, excuse me, I lost a quarter in the soda machine. Well, the soda got stuck when I pressed the button. They will stop talking to whoever he's talking to, go out and help the little boy get the quarter back from the soda machine. I remember we had a meeting in Lakewood once from a fundraiser for another Moisid. And a boy came with the Gedolim cards that he had, and he had a picture of a dub in one of the Gedolim cards. So all the mob of Lakewood people pulling over to a dub for brachas, for whatever he had, one boy pushed through, said to a dub, I have a picture of David. So David smiled because that's nice. He goes, Would you sign it? And the whole place was shocked when the little boy got the chutzpah there from David to sign his picture. So I said, why not? And he takes out his pen and signs the boy's picture. The care and sensitivity for a little child is Ayn Venara. At one point, we kept some basketballs at Bayrou David's office. Boy would come in to get the ball. And inevitably, every time a boy would come and get a ball, David would always say, enjoy the game, or play well, give some bracha about the basketball game that he's going to play. I can go on and on about his anivas. We have Shal Shudas and MTJ many years ago. One of the Chevrolet Koyal bandmen spoke. David, even though he had a Chavrusha shop with his son Beryl, who now was the Rosh Hashiva, he had a Seder in Yerushalmi every Shal Shudas. He sat and waited and not learned with his son because he felt it's a pigi in the cupboard of bandmen who's speaking at the little Vatar at the Shal Shudas table that he couldn't, he would feel uncomfortable talking if David's learning in the front. Rav David did not open up the safe and stop learning until Benjamin finished the Torah. I see it's already about half hour and 40 minutes that we spoke, and I only did two pages out of the 17 I have. So I just want to just, just say one or two things extra because I don't want to spend here. I'm cold, and I'm sure it's everyone for everybody else. Well, that means you have to come back a few times. <laughs> But uh, when they told Rav David, the Rechaim Kanievsky finishes Bavli and Ushalmi every year, Rav David said, I can't compete with that. It's out of my league. But he told me that even as though his time is so valuable, he still gives of himself chesed for others, that's something I could follow and learn from.
At the Levi for Moshe, I think it's one of the, I'm going to end pretty soon because I don't want to keep everyone here that much longer. It's about 40 minutes and I'm speaking already. I'm, I've seen it on my computer. Um, at the Levi for Moshe, Rabdova didn't speak. At the end of Shiva, he got up and just said, one of our that Moshe was Makadish towards the end of his life. He said it without a lock, but that's it. By Shloshim, he get ready. People were saying he's going to give a little bit of a hesper on his father. For the Bnei Yeshiva. It got around the Yeshiva felt that Rabdova was going to speak about Moshe. And of course, the hundreds and hundreds of people came to hear him. From Brooklyn, from all over. Rabdova gets up and speaks about Moshe. And he says that his father was always proud of the special schus that he had. That he was married to a Bas Cohen, Rebetzin Shimmer, Moshe's wife, was the daughter of a Cohen. And the truth is, it's a very strange tribute, I guess, to pay to a Godel. And on the way back to Brooklyn, many people in the subway who wanted to come to be inspired by Moshe's legacy, one of the stories on Chizuk, they were mumbling their disappointment. But those who knew Rav David understood very well. Rav David, whose every word was measured, saw an opportunity here. The whole world spent the whole month after Rav was lifted with newspapers and articles and interviews and, and videos and chats. They didn't have that in those days, but they didn't have Zoom, but you can imagine everybody she was giving a spadum. And his mother was forgotten about his mother came to the Shloshim and he sees her sitting there, forgotten, sabrachan, a broken heart. And if you can get up there and say that his father was especially proud of the schus of married to Abbas Cohen, how great and good his mother would feel that her lineage was mentioned, that her husband was proudly part of it. Rabdavid spoke at the Shloshim of Moshe only about his mother because he sensed that she was left to the side when the whole world was talking about Ramosha. He thought of Chesed way beyond what we think of Chesed. You know, we don't relate to that. And the last thing I'll say, because I have another 15 seconds I'm going to give myself, it was a family wedding in Lakewood. It was already on it later on in years. He was older. We had a cold. It was a cold, wintry night. It was raining like it is now. Ice rain, cold, snowy, and I was dropping off Sunday morning after Mincha in the yeshiva to Sunday afternoon. I'm in a house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And he says, can you come back at 4 o'clock or 3.30, come back and pick me up to go to a wedding in Lakewood? So Rebetzin says, what wedding? So he said, one of our grandnephews, or, you know, great nephews or whatever. She goes, you don't feel well, you have a cold. It's a two-hour drive to Lakewood, a two-hour drive back. And two hours there, you're talking about six, seven hours and nasty cold weather, and you don't feel well, and you're an older man. It's not even a nephew. It's a great, great nephew. It's some distant mishpachah. What do you, why? Tells the Rebetzin, we went to his two oldest siblings' weddings. If we don't show up to this wedding, I can't imagine how this boy's going to feel. You showed up my older brother, not to me. Even though he'll understand I'm sick, I don't feel well. But the bottom line is, he'll still feel on a dakadakas level, cheated. They didn't have Uncle David at the wedding. And I got in the car at three o'clock, I picked him up and we drove two hours to Lakewood, two hours back, two hours there, six, seven, eight hours. He was ice commission in the car. He was weak. He slept. Mama slept half the way back, but just so the cousin shouldn't feel bad. 
I wanted to speak tonight about two parts of Zanivis and his Chesed. But it's very late now. So I just hope that I was able to give some chizuk of what Chesed and Midos really mean before the Kabbalah Torah. To understand that become a Godel, as David said, the greater Godel you are, the more Chiv and Chesed you have. And the more you accomplish in learning, the more you have to do Chesed. And I hope this chizuk for everyone else to know that whatever we're going to learn on Shavuos night is not part of you from any chesed you have to do. Have a gavadik yantiv and a kabbal, the kabbalah solatara should be kabbal to everybody. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Nice to have you warm. Thank you so much. Kabbalah.